Good morning, Third Street. Good morning, Third Street. Man, it feels so good to be back with all of you. It feels good to be back in the place where the people of God gather. I don't know how much y'all function in the real world, but the real world is tough. So when you get a break from our physical reality and you get to live into our spiritual realities with a group of people who are also just trying to live into our spiritual realities, it just feels Good. I am incredibly excited to be back with you all after four extremely long uh, and wild but restful kind of weeks. It's okay if the feeling is not necessarily mutual because I know that you were very well taken care of in my absence. Uh, I know because I watched from afar uh, KT preaching like he wants my job. I know... um, yeah, I, I know, I know, I know, okay, I know, all right, let's, you know, I'm saying, like, you know, you know, but I'm back, though, you know what I'm saying, so, so, yeah, 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 no, I'm, I, I am, I am incredibly grateful to be a part of a team, a team um, that, uh, that can hold it down, um, so that we can, so that my family and I can observe uh, rhythms of Sabbath uh, and rest, as much Sabbath and rest that can come to you when you have uh, a fourth child, um, yeah. Thank you. Um, Praise God. We appreciate your prayers. We appreciate your support. We appreciate the ways that you guys have showed out uh, for us. Um, uh, PJ, uh, Philip Jeffrey, was born on July 29th. Uh, He is healthy. He is dope. Uh, He is sleeping right there. Uh, And Rachel is killing it as a mom of four. I'm doing not as good of a job, but... I'm trying real hard, guys. I'm trying real hard. I'm excited to be back with you because it's been a long time. I'm excited to be back with you because I love being in the place of the people of God. And I'm also excited to be back with you because I love new things. I love new things. And this morning, you already know what it is. We get to start a brand new series titled Move the Needle. Y'all have heard that phrase before, right? Say it with me. Move the Needle. You have, you've heard the phrase before, especially if you're in business. When a business says, uh, uh, guys, it's time to move the needle. I've been in rooms with business leaders where it's like, you know what, COVID, I've heard this very recently, COVID is an excuse anymore, right? The time has passed where it's acceptable for us to stay stagnant. It's time for us to push it forward. It's time for us to move the needle. What do they mean by that? What they really mean is it's time for us to start turning a profit again, Right? We say move the needle forward in business. We're talking about it's time for us to make more money, right? When we talk about this in terms of the media, when you talk about the media moving the needle, what they're talking about is increasing viewership. If you agree, hit like or subscribe at the end of this video, right? Increasing subscriptions, increasing viewership. When you talk about entertainment, entertainment wants to move the needle forward. They're trying to get more audience, more people to be in seats. When it comes to Third Street, the type of work we do is kingdom work. And kingdom work shouldn't be measured by the way that the world measure things, should it? It's not rhetorical. It's not a trick question. No, I led you right there. You say, no, it shouldn't. Say, no, it shouldn't. Amen. Kingdom work should not be measured by these standards. Let's move the needle forward. Let's get more profits. 
Let's move the needle forward. Let's get more viewership. Let's move the needle forward. Let's get more butts and seats. That's not, that's not the way kingdom work is exclusively measured, right? And I heard a lot. I heard a lot before I left. I heard a lot while I was gone. I've heard a lot since I've been back. This is my first week back, and I heard, I've heard a lot of questions. Pastor, where are we going? What are we doing? I've heard a lot of things, right? I've heard a lot of things are coming up. I heard huddles are coming back. And there's going to be more of them. I heard, I heard, I heard there's like this building project where we're going to get a, a, a second gym and more classroom space to increase capacity. Pastor, I've heard, I've heard that we're, that, that, that we're going to grow, right? And so I want to know, like, how are we going to, like, push this needle forward? How are we going to get there? Where exactly are we trying to get? And, and what, do you expect, what do you expect me to do? That's what you're really asking, right? It's like, what do you expect me to do? to move the needle forward. Well, as we look at this graphic that we're going to have for the next month or so, it might look familiar, but when you look closely, you'll realize that there are some subtle differences. Right? And for the next several weeks, we're going to break this down as to what exactly this means. But what I intend for you to recognize right off the bat is that sometimes the way that we move the needle in the kingdom doesn't look like the way the world has designed for us to move the needle. As sometimes the way we push the needle forward with kingdom work is not necessarily by the measure or the expectation that society or business or culture has built around us that sometimes it might be our exact opposite understanding that actually causes us to get somewhere because that's kingdom. And so where we're headed, what we're going to do, where we're, how we're going to get this done, we're believing in the Lord for direction, and that's exactly where I want to start this morning. I want to start where all journeys begin. Before you put your seatbelt on, before you even put the keys in the ignition, in all likelihood, you have a destination in mind. Unless it's lunchtime and you're about to go get food, then you hope you're going to make up your mind by the time you start your car, but it's not always how it goes. I'm just talking to me. We're going to set our course. We're going to set our direction. And so if you would, I would invite you to turn in your Bibles to the Gospel of John. When you go to the New Testament, it goes Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. So it's the fourth book of the New Testament. It's a gospel. It means tells the story of Jesus. We're going to go to the 14th chapter, which is typically indicated by the big number 14. If you have a physical Bible with you, if you have your electronic devices with you, that's the chapter. We're going to start at the very beginning and we're going to read a section, but I'm going to be real with you. We'll see how far we get this morning. This is the gospel of John. This is chapter 14. We're starting in verse 1. These letters may appear in your Bible to be read, and what that means is that Jesus said it. And when Jesus says it, you feel like there's a little added emphasis, don't you? So here we go. These are Jesus' words as portrayed by the Gospel of John, chapter 14, starting in verse 1. The Scripture says this. Jesus says, Let not your hearts be troubled. Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my father's house, there are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? 
And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself that where I am, you may be also. And you know, disciples, you actually know the way to where I'm going. Thomas, my guy Thomas, says to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way. He says, I am the way. Matter of fact, I am the truth. And because we love to receive things in threes, let me give you one more. He says, I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. And then Philip, precious baby Philip, said to him, Lord, show us the Father, and it is enough for us. Jesus says to him a little more sharply this time, have I been with you so long and you still don't know me, Philip? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does his works. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or else believe on the account of the works themselves. And he closes by saying this, truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do, and greater works than these will he do, because I am going to the Father. Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. Y'all, the disciples are bent, right? They're upset. They're upset because they just found out that Jesus isn't going to be around much longer. Imagine, imagine being in the room and hearing the sentence for the first time, realizing I'm not going to get to see you for much longer. Their hearts are troubled, and this is the danger of casual reading is we might read troubled and think like, oh, man, like, like they're a little worried. And so what Jesus is saying is like, nah, don't even worry about it. But that, that doesn't give appropriate emphasis to what's happening, right? When you look at, when you look at, the, word, uh, at the word troubled in Greek, where else it appears in John's gospel is the same type of trouble Jesus was when he walked up to his best friend's grave. When you look at the word troubled, it's the type of troubled, the same type of troubled Jesus was when he was in the garden agonizing over the fact that he was going to die. When you look at the word troubled, you realize that it's the same type of troubled that Jesus was when he realized and when he spoke that one of his best friends, one of his own people, one of his own followers that has been with me since day one is going to betray me for some money. Nah, this ain't like, don't even worry about that tomorrow type of worry. This is deep trouble. This is deep anguish. This is in the face of all that's going on. This too, Jesus? 
This too? Jesus, the great comforter, offers comfort with this. He says, I'm preparing a place for you. Don't be troubled. Don't get upset. I'm getting something ready. You know, the type of preparing that we do when we have guests that we're actually excited about coming over, coming over, right? And we look at the house and we're like, "Uh uh-uh, they can't come in this. (laughs) I can't have people over with this looking like this. Kids, get in here. And you start moving stuff around and you start wiping down the tables. You start cleaning stuff. You start sweeping stuff. You start finding toys that you ain't never seen before. You're like, where does this even come from? Gosh, dang it, Wendy's. You start throwing stuff out because I don't even know the last time that we even used this. And you start getting the space ready for the company that's about to be received. You realize that things are a mess right now. But Jesus says, I'm moving things. How many of y'all know God is cleaning things? How many of you, God, God is throwing things away to get this place ready for you to be received? says, don't even worry. Don't even let your hearts be that deeply troubled. Because everything that's happening around you, believe it or not, I need you to believe me that I have a plan for what's going on. It's not, it's not actually chaos. It's not actually anarchy. It's not actually all hell that's breaking loose like you feel like it is. It's actually me moving stuff to get something ready for you. He says, trust me. I'm preparing a place for you. Now I got to keep it real because I think some of us have been reading out of the book of Joseph lately, not the book of John. I don't think what Jesus meant for the real focus of this passage to be is is for us to focus on a physical mansion that is ours in heaven, as some translations would suggest. I don't think that that's his focus. Rather, I think the literal place that Jesus is preparing for us is found in relationship to the Father. It says, my father has room for you. My father has capacity for you. My father is preparing some really, really dope stuff for you. He's not talking about the bells and whistles that come with a mansion. He's talking about the privileges that come with a relationship with God. What Jesus wants his disciples' troubled hearts to know is that he's not forgotten to include them in his actions that will follow. He's not forgotten that in the process of establishing the kingdom of God to trump over this fallen world, that there's a place for them also in it. Jesus Jesus is doing what is necessary in order to provide for the disciples all they will need on the way to them fulfilling this kingdom mission. He is providing for them all that they will need on their way to experiencing what the Father in heaven has for them. My question, though, for us as followers now, nearly 2,000 years later, when we read these words, what I really want to know is, is, is do we trust Jesus with where we're going? It's easy for us to read history in hindsight and be like, man, the disciples was tripping, bro. How many times did Jesus say, I'm going to be right back? How many times did Jesus say, I'm in control? How many times did Jesus have to say, tear it down and I'll rebuild it in three days? They couldn't even hold faith for three little days. 
and we want to chastise the disciple. Meanwhile, we stressed. We're anxious. We're upset. Because there are things that are happening in our lives. And the reality is, if you want to be all the way real, I love you to death. You, you my homie for real, but, but you don't trust God with where this is headed. You don't trust God with the plans that he has prepared for you. You don't trust the place, the destination, if you will, that Jesus is planning for you. And so our hearts get troubled and we scramble and we try to, we try to prepare a place for us, don't we? When I'm traveling, it's not super often, but sometimes I do get to travel. Less now because there's a fourth kid in the house, so, you know, travel. But sometimes I get to travel, and when I travel, um, I'll be real with you. Some of y'all are going to say I'm nasty for this. I, I like hotels, okay? I like hotels. That didn't get, like, the moans that I thought it was, which means there might be some more people like me in this room. I like hotels because, because when I know that I'm going to stay in a hotel, I don't pack all the things that some of y'all think I should pack, right? When I'm staying in a hotel, I know they're about to give me a pillow. They're probably about to give me like eight pillows, right? When I'm staying in a hotel, I know there's going to be blankets. There's going to be comforters. I know there's going to be a little thermostat in the room to control the temperature in just my room, right? I know that there's going to be shampoo and conditioner. I know that there's going to be soap. I know that some of the real nice places even got toothpaste already in there. I know they got the robes. I know that they got a dry, uh, that, uh, an ironing board and an iron. You see how often I use that, right? I, I know that these things are already there for me, so I pack light because I'm like, hey, why even worry about it? Why carry it with me? Because I know it's already taken care of when I get there. But see, that's me, and I know how some of y'all are. Some of y'all are like, ew, that's nasty. Do you know? Because you've seen one too many investigative reportings, right? Right? Do you know what's in those sheets? Do you know how gross they are? I travel with my black light so that I can go over it. Some of y'all be taking your own sheets to hotels. You're taking your own pillows. Right? Because you don't trust the accommodations that are waiting for you at the hotel. And in that specific situation, to be real, that's fine. That's your prerogative, right? I'm not tripping about that. I just live a little nastier than you do. It's okay. But what I'm trying to get across is that Jesus has said, my father's got a big old hotel that you can fit into. Right? He got a big old spot for you but some of y'all be trying to take your own sheets to heaven some of y'all don't trust the accommodations that are ahead of you so you're like just in case i'm gonna squeeze this little savings account right in there because you don't trust what jesus has ahead of you right a lot of our troubled hearts are causing us to carry stuff that god didn't ask us to carry It's causing us to prepare for stuff that Jesus has already taken care of. Some of our troubled hearts are just distracting us from what God is actually trying to do and provide along the way. 
And look, I can't come at y'all without coming from me too, because really when I wrote this, I was really, really just being convicted by the spirit about me, right? This is real for me too. I know, and this is a lot for me to admit in front of you. I know that Jesus has some real big plans for me to steward, right? That's a lot for me to trust and say out loud in front of you. I know that Jesus is doing something wild right now. And I know that part of the wild stuff that he's doing, he wants me to oversee and to be a part of and to figure out how it's done best on earth. I know that he has that for me. And I know that what I receive from the Father through being in relationship with Jesus is all the wisdom that I need. It's all the resources that I need. It's all the patience that I need. I know that that comes to me from the Father through my relationship with Jesus. But, but sometimes, sometimes I let my heart get troubled. Sometimes I let my heart get troubled by all the details that go into this planning. You know how somebody once upon a time wrote that the devil's in the details? Well, I believe that. Sometimes I let my heart get troubled because I I agree to do stuff that, to be honest with you, God really didn't even design me to do, but because you asked me, I do it. Sometimes I let my heart get troubled by listening to all the voices that didn't come from God, that just want to distract me and derail me from the real vision, from really what it's about. There's a whole lot of that. There's a whole lot of voices trying to pull us to look at something that's not the main thing. If I've heard one thing over the past several weeks that I've been away is God telling me, keep the main thing the main thing. Let the grievers and the complainers go deal with the dead, but you move past it. (laughs) And what that does is that leads me to doubt that any of this is even possible that we can even really get there. And so I start to seek other opinions. I start to draw and strategize on a whiteboard what I can control. Or I try to strive and work hard and accomplish what I know that I can accomplish in my own power. And then I question things and I go over them and over them until I've driven myself to the point of insanity. But the beautiful thing about a relationship with Jesus is that he already has for us a perfect destination in mind. He already has for us all the things that we will need along the way. You just trust him. So you might be asking yourself right now, well, how do I, how do I get there, right? How do I get to a place of such faith? How do I get to a place of such trust in God, because, Pastor, if you would know the stuff that I've been through, if you would know some of the scars that, that I hide under my T-shirt, if you would know, you would understand why it's not so easy for me to have such faith and such trust. Well, to be real with you, that's basically the exact same question Thomas asks, right? He's like, no, God, I don't know what you mean, Right? I actually, this is, too, this is too abstract for me. I actually don't understand what you mean by there is a place prepared for me. And so what I'm going to need you to do is I'm going to need you to plug it in my phone. Yeah. 
I'm going to need you to put it in my GPS. I'm going to need a map, some ways type. I'm going to need to like really, really know and to like hear your voice as clearly as I hear Siri telling me, turn right, right here. Right? How can we know the way? Give me a geographical location. And that's real. Because when things get hard in our lives, what do we do? Where can I go? Where can I go? How can I fix it? Right? I'm going to go to church on Sunday because maybe there'll be like a, like a sentence or two that just magically tells me how to like make this sin go away. Just being real, right? Thomas says, what's the way, Jesus? Jesus, man. Rebuking Jesus, one of my favorite Jesuses. He said, what's the way, Thomas? What's the way? What's the way? What's the way, Thomas? I am the way. Son, I am the way. You have been rebuked like that by a parent? Well, how do you know? How do I know? Because I know. Jesus says, I am the way. You're looking for what's real? I am what's real. Oh, you're looking for a new beginning. I am your new beginning. If you want to know what faith looks like, Jesus says, I've showed you. If you want to know what the Father looks like, if you want to know what the Father thinks, if you want to know how the Father acts, if you want to know what the Father would do in a specific situation, Jesus says, I've showed you. He says, if you want to know what happens when we put to death our old ways and trust God with the new, because that's a lot, right? We got a lot of baggage to try to leave behind, and it's been attached to us for so long that sometimes we like subconsciously look for it when we think we've dropped it, right? We got a lot to leave behind. If you want to know what it looks like to leave behind your old self and go in full faith with your new self, I'm about to show you when I get up out this grave that y'all thought I was staying in. When y'all thought I was staying in that dead situation, when y'all thought I was done with that dead relationship, when y'all thought I was buried by this insurmountable debt, and I get up in front of your doubting self, I am the life. And I love that Jesus said it in the way that he said it because he, he didn't leave any doubt if there's an alternative. Like, okay, so that's one way. But like, I've read a couple books, Jesus. And, and he's like, uh-uh, I am the way. I didn't say I'm a way. I didn't say I'm option C. I didn't say it's possible to go through me. But also, if you get rerouted, you can still get there. He says, uh-uh, sailor, this is me. I am he. I am the way. It's only through me. And as if that rebuke wasn't enough, Philip, brave Philip, says, says, well, let us see the Father. Says, says, just peel back the curtain. Let us stick our heads through one time just to see. If you watch Stranger Things, you don't stick your head into the upside down and think you're coming back out, right? It says, just peel back reality for a moment. Let us see the Father. Jesus is like, you don't even know me, man. 
How long have you been walking with me, Philip? No, this ain't rhetorical. For real, for real. Answer my question. How long have you been walking with me? Because I would think that by this point, after all I've done for you, after all you've witnessed, after all you've seen me call on, after all you've seen me teach, after the way that your life has radically changed, I would think that you would understand that you've seen the Father because you've seen me. We're one. If you want to get to know God, if you want to experience God, if you want to receive from God, Jesus makes it plain as day. He's the way. A few years ago, a friend of ours was backing out of our driveway. And while they were backing out of our driveway, they turned a little too sharply. I'm not going to name any names because they are in the building. But as they turned a little bit too sharply, they must not have noticed the boom, boom under their car and continued to drive as they ran over our mailbox. Some of it was stuck in the ground, on the ground, and some of it was drug off under their car as they got on 77. Right? Now, this is one of those silly homeowner things that you really don't think about until it happens to you, but, like, how do you replace a mailbox for real? Like, you never, you never like, when you're looking at a house, you don't think, like, that mailbox is nasty. I'm, I'm going to have to take that out. You're just like, okay, that's where they put the letters. Got it. And so I'm like, where do I, how do I fix this, right? Like, what store do I even, like, go to? Home Depot. That's always the answer. Pay for my sponsorship. Home Depot. And so... I start doing research because you go to Google first and I ask questions about what's the most sturdy mailbox as I know that this person was going to be a frequent visitor. (laughs) So I'm like, what is the most sturdy mailbox? We got all these reckless people in our driveway. What's the most sturdy mailbox? And you know what I found? The key to a sturdy mailbox is? It's not actually the material that it's made out of. That's what I thought. I thought, man, this this janky plastic thing. No. It's actually the key to a sturdy mailbox is how deeply it's rooted in the ground. The key to to a mailbox being sturdy is not how tall or how low it stands but how deeply rooted in a firm foundation it really is, right? And so as I was looking at this mailbox that you had to dig out a four-foot trench and pour some quickcrete in there, what the man told me was that if somebody runs into this again, it will do more damage to the car than the car will do to it, right? What I'm trying to say is that if you want the kind of faith you read about in Scripture, If you want the kind of faith that stands tall and strong and does more damage to the elements than the elements do to it, it comes from being deeply, deeply rooted in a relationship with Jesus. It ain't no alternative way. It's only that way. Jesus says, if you want to know the Father, if you really want the faith that can move mountains, then you get to know 
me. And I'm not just talking about like you raise your hand and pray a prayer. I'm talking about like really, really know him. So that when you get to the gates and he looks at you on the brink of eternity and he says, are you coming in? Do you know me? You can say, I know you. You can name things about him. You can give evidence to how your life is different because you know him. We can't discover those things if we don't get to know Jesus. And I'm talking about knowing Jesus, knowing Jesus's words. Knowing Jesus' words like some of us know Kanye's words. Knowing Jesus' words like some of us know Drake's words. Sorry, let me hit the other side of the audience. Knowing Jesus' words like some of us know Taylor Swift's words. Okay? We got to know Jesus' character. As well as we know all 30 characters on The Bachelor. We got to know Jesus' character. As well as we claim to know celebrities' character on Twitter. We got we to gotta know Jesus' heart and Jesus' intentions like we claim to know the heart and the intentions of those folks in Washington. We got we to gotta know Jesus' Jesus' moves and how he responds to the things. The way we read and study the textbooks that tell us how to be a dope, whatever professional. We got to know Jesus better than we know those things. Right? So you want to know how you get that deeply rooted? You want to know how you really get to know Jesus like that? You You start with the words that he's already said. A lot of them are already written down for you. It's in the scriptures. Are you making as much time to read his words as you are that best-selling author? You got to get comfortable with Jesus' presence, which means you got to carve out some time to actually like be in prayer. And that doesn't mean you talking all the time and running through a list of like things you want to see. Sometimes it's sitting in his presence and letting him speak, and sometimes it's just sitting in his presence because what's understood don't got to be explained. You want to get to know Jesus better, you got to sharpen your understanding. you got to sharpen your relationship with other people. Some of us think that faith is a solo journey. You think, you know what, I'm going to let you do you, and you just let me work on my own faith. That's not the way God designed it. God designed us to be in community as he is in community, three and one. you got to get into a Christ-centered community you got to meditate you got to meditate on what you're learning here's a crazy idea bring some notes on sunday you know we're always serving up the word on sunday bring some notes write some stuff down so that way when you are in prayer later you have words to refer back to in your prayers meditate on what you're learning and then look at this Last thing I'm going to point out to you, and then I promise I'm out your way. I know it's been a long time. I know I'm getting excited. I know I don't ever want to let you go ever, ever, ever again. But I'm going to point out this one thing to you, and then I'm out your way. Look at what Jesus promises will happen, starting in verse 12. Look at what Jesus promises is going to happen. Let me get there. It says, truly I say to you, whoever believes in me, like whoever goes deep with me, whoever is like really, really rooted in me, you're going to do the works that I do. Matter of fact, 
you're going to do even greater works than what you've seen and read about me doing. Let me take it one further. He says, whatever you ask for in my name, I'll do it. If you ask anything in my name, I will, I will do it. Jesus tells his disciples, you're going to do greater things. Part of the reality of why they're going to do, go on to do greater things, which is true if you read the book of Acts, is because when Jesus walked around and did his ministry for three years, he filled a space that could fit inside of Texas. Like, I, I don't know if all of us, like, realize that all the way, but Jesus didn't ever, like, set foot in North America. He, like, filled this tiny little space that ain't even as big as Texas. He said, you're going to do greater things by sheer volume, right? Because you're going to be able to go as this thing spreads. It's going to go everywhere. They didn't even know North America existed yet. He said, you're going to go there. You're going to go everywhere. You're going to have greater impact because this thing is going to be everywhere you go. Jesus' church that the disciples would carry would end up going everywhere. The other reason they're going to do greater things is because as Jesus was able to live by the power of the Spirit, he was only ever able to foretell of what he was going to do to make it all possible for hope to come. But now we live on this side of the resurrection which means we get to tell the whole story. They didn't know the full story yet, but we get to tell about how all of us are born into being shoddy and shady individuals. And while we were yet still sinners, Jesus, at just the right time, came for us. And because he came for us, we can be, we have already been justified, but now we can be, begin the process of being sanctified. And through that process, we start to look like him. So as a matter of fact, when you come to believe in Jesus, you get to become a new creation. Hope is already here. That's why we get to tell it like this. And Jesus says, you'll ask for anything in my name and it'll be, it'll be given to you. And we know that already in our minds, some of us are starting to rub our hands together. Yeah, I know what I'm going to ask for. That's not the way he means this, right? The same way that Jesus says, the Father and I are so in sync that you don't even hear my words without hearing his words. That's how in sync me and you are going to be, right? You're going to be so in tune with me and my spirit. You're going to be so in sync with me that the things that you pray for are the things that I already want to do, right? You're not going to be praying You're not going to be praying for these selfish things because you and I, you and I are going to be so in tune that your heart is going to break for the things that my heart break for. And so when you pray for healing, it's not going to be because it's not going to be because you're selfishly praying for a relative. It's going to be because, you know, my heart is to heal. And anything you ask for, you better believe I already want to do and you got it. That's how in sync we're going to be. So church, I got to leave you with this question, which is this. What is the greater work that God is asking you to be a part of this fall? What is it? What is the greater work that God is asking you to be a part of this fall? Because because when we trust God with with where we're going, it might seem big and scary, but when we actually trust God with where we're going, 
And in that process, when we deepen our relationship with Jesus along the way, we start to live like Jesus. And when we, when we live like Jesus, the results, the results are crazy. The results are eternal. But it's, it's insane how we get to experience how God is not only transforming us, but then how he's using us to transform our surroundings. People that I never thought would have come to faith came to faith because God brought me first. Because God brought me. He said, now now they're going to come because it's happened for you. What's the greater work that God is asking you to be a part of? We get so in sync. We get so in sync at one point that people start to believe that the privilege that comes with the relationship of knowing God is something that just like happens naturally, right? KT said to me one time, he said, man, I'm trying to get that hunk of favor, bro. I'm trying to get that favor that like, that like when I walk in the room and ask for a building, they give it to me for a dollar, like that type of favor. You know what I'm saying? Or when you walk into, into a school that's all guarded with their, with, their, with their walls up and their doors locked, and you say, hey, I'm about to mentor some students here, and don't fret, but I am going to say the name Jesus. They're like, okay, cool. Right? Like, I'm trying to get on that level, right? And he called it a hunk of favor, but can I be real with you? That's got nothing to do with me. That's got nothing to do with him. That's got everything to do with the privilege that comes with knowing God. A relationship with the Father. Deep intimacy with Jesus. So here it is. You want a vision? You want to know where Third Street is going? Let me give it to you. Let me give it to you. What's the plans, Pastor? Where are we going? What are we doing? How many buildings are we going to build? Here's what we're going to do. We're going to trust God with where we're going. Okay? We're going to trust God with the plans. We're going to believe that everything will fall into place in his timing. We're going to follow the promptings of the Holy Spirit because ultimately I believe that his plan is better than anything I can come up with on a whiteboard. And believe me, I've been stressing for about two years now about that, right? And we're going to trust that as ridiculous as it sounds on paper, we're going to trust that God will provide the resources. We're going to trust that He's going to do incredible things. And so what's the action step, right? Okay, trust God. Here it goes. Like throwing a quarter in a wishing well, right? No. Here's the action step we can take. We're, we as a people, as a congregation, we're going to work really, really hard to deepen our relationship with Jesus. That's how we're going to get there. We're going to deepen our relationship with Jesus. We're going to deepen our understanding of who Jesus is. Because if you've seen Jesus, you've seen the Father. And if you know what Jesus is capable of, you know what the Father is capable of. And if Jesus is in you, well, transitive property, y'all. We're going to get ourselves in huddles, right? Because that's one way we deepen our relationship with Jesus. We're going to get really, really deep into some teachings. 
Because that's how you, that's one way you deepen your relationship with Jesus. We just spend time in prayer. Listen, don't expect me to pray for you. You go to God. Right? You go to God as if nobody else in this world is going to go to him for that same thing. Go to God. We're going to deepen our worship. Figure out what that looks like. It's going to be uncomfortable for some folks. I already know. But that's okay. It's a part of the process. Not everybody's at the same point. We're going to do the work of the Spirit in our community. I don't expect everything to happen because we meet on Sundays. Right? We actually have to, like, live this out, like, with people who didn't hear me say it on Sunday. We're going to seek the change. We're going to seek the impact in lives and spaces that seem so immovable. We're going to believe that God can move it. The people that we thought would never, we're going to believe that God will. And the part that we all play in all of this, the thing that I'm going to over and over ask, every single one of you, no exceptions. I don't care if this is your first time, your 50th time, you trying to blend in, you trying to stand out. I don't care what it is. What I'm asking you, yes, literally you, to do is this fall, I want us to increase the intensity with which we approach our faith. Let's take the next step, right? You already believe it. You already love it. Good. Believe it more. Love it more. What is that thing that just seems so unreachable for you? What is that thing that just seems so unbelievable for you? We're going to believe it. We're going to believe that when we put the trust of our destination in God, and that as we deeply get to know Jesus, the natural byproduct of that will be that our, our people start to look like Jesus. And I believe this because I know and because I've seen it. That as we see and witness firsthand the things that the Spirit can do through us, we're going to let God blow our minds. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for your plan. We thank you that long before any of us were even a thought and any of our troubles were even a reality, that you had already made a way out. Before we had even accumulated debt, you already paid it. Before we even allowed ourselves to be in bondage, you already freed us. But we thank you that the way that you have made accessible to us is through your son, Jesus. Lord, we desperately want to see the words, the works, the results of Jesus' ministry in our own lives. And so, Father, we pray first for forgiveness. Forgiveness for the ways that we've gotten in the way. Forgiveness for the ways that we have allowed our hearts to be troubled. Lord, forgive us 
that when money got funny, we, we turned our eyes from you. Forgive us that when temporary pleasure was within our grasps, we turned our eyes away from you. Forgive us that when things got really, really hard, we, we started to doubt that you were still working, that you were still with us, that you were even you at all. And Father, we believe in you for our daily bread. We believe in you for the patience that we need to see it through. We believe in you for the wisdom that we need to see it through. We're believing, Father, in you for the resources that we need to see it through. Because we know that your heart is not to lead us deeper into the evil of this world, but to deliver us from all brokenness, from all sickness, from all sorrow, from all pain. For yours is the kingdom forever and ever. Amen.